open up in all the wrong places. Working for Quick note that if you're looking to unload some junk, maybe mentally, emotionally, or physically, you need to join my clearing challenge in the month of December. Sign up at allisonhair.com forward slash clearing. Now to this show. My favorite type of people are unconventional, and my guest today couldn't be more full of surprising magic at every turn. Trey Humphreys is a globally recognized multi-seven-figure entrepreneur, a best-selling author, and expert in helping individuals and companies develop a connection that results in moving beyond what they believe is possible. But his main focus? It's learning about love. He's a self-proclaimed extreme weirdo, and we are grappling with his quest for love and finding it in the most unusual places. You are going to love this chat. If you'd like to listen to these episodes ad-free and early and support an independent podcaster, that's me, sign up at patreon.com forward slash culture changers or go to allisonhair.com for the direct link. But here we are with Trey Humphreys. Whoop, 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 whoop. Whoop, whoop. Excited to have you on. Welcome. Thank you. Is love bananas? Love is bananas. (laughs) Love is completely bananas. You've had one of the most interesting lives. I have some theories about you. Oh, I do. I have okay. some theories about you. They're very compassionate theories. Growing up in your house, what did love look like? Well, we're just coming straight out of the gate. <laughs> Pierce my heart. Let's talk about our feelings. Uh, what did love look like in my house? That's interesting. Well, I was raised by a single mother. That's the American dream these days. And mom worked all the time, and I'm an only child, and so it was a lot of alone time. And I think that's <laughs> I think that's why I'm always up in my head now, because back then I was always up in my head with an imagination and imaginary friends and all the things. So what did love look like? And mom did the best she could, but she wasn't around. She was working a thousand jobs and everything. And so I just... We did have dogs, though. That's what it was. Love was with our two white dogs. Two white dogs. Two white dogs. <laughs> did you have an understanding of love? Like, how did your mother show love? So my mom... Where it, was daddy? Dad's an alcoholic my whole life, so he was out, out of the picture mainly, but I would go see him or ride him in rehab, or once in a while he'd come bust in the door and hang out. It was pretty chaotic with him, <laughs> but he was super cool. I liked him a lot. But it was very painful when he was drunk or didn't show up or whatever it was. So, and then mom is a fierce little fireball. And so, so that was unique. And so there I was just kind of trying to figure it all out. And and that's what brought me to this podcast, actually, to figure it all out because you're the guru. I'm the guru. So you have to explain. I'm love. To, you have to f- explain to me this love concept, which is bananas. It's an interesting journey for you because you are middle-aged white guy, right? You are legendary in Atlanta. I don't know if you feel that way, but I've known about you for decades <laughs> uh, through the fur bus, through your restaurants, through DJing. You're, uh, you've been a mascot. Mm-hmm. Freddie Falcon, right? I, I was a professional mascot, yeah. which is, makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but yes, I did. That was fun. You have no straight trajectory of a journey. No, I do not. And I've started to wonder lately in my life, does anybody set out when they're young say, this is what I'm going to be. I'm going to go be a 
business person or a lawyer or whatever, and then they do that. Like no one does that. A anymore. lot of people do it. I don't think so. I don't. I think everybody is the twists and turns, and it everything changes, and you just never know where you're going to end up. But do you think that's why there is so much cognitive dissonance? Because you and I share a passion for helping people find a little more joy and fulfillment in their lives through mm-hmm. different methods, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the expectation that we need to follow a certain path, we're sold a little bit of a bill of goods. You know, you have mm-hmm. to go to college, you have to get the job, climb the ladder, and then you have everything that you need. But a lot mm-hmm. of times people get to that spot and then they are unfulfilled and they're like, why aren't I happy? And I am grateful, but why isn't it enough? You know, mm-hmm. do you think that it is that cognitive dissonance of, is it supposed to be twisty and turny? Well, let's let's start with, I don't know what cognitive dissonance means. <laughs> so why don't you explain that? Why don't you explain it to the readers or the listeners uh, first so that right. they know what's going on, know what it's all about. Cognitive dissonance is like something doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it, it doesn't ah, add up. You must be talking about life. Life <laughs> does not make any sense right. whatsoever. And I've been trying to figure it out for my whole life. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think people get on, you know, the hedonic treadmill, which is we're always seeking novelty. And if we do something long enough, it's boring and boring sucks. Right. No one likes to be bored. these I days. know, but you're saying we are all seeking novelty, but not a lot of people pursue novelty I'm because saying, they're in predictable yeah. patterns. I'm saying we always thrive to find novelty and mm-hmm. whatever, a new TV show, a new food, a new restaurant, a new lover, a new job, a new project, a new book, whatever it is. It's like this newness just keeps our brain moving forward and excited. I want to I hear more about your path. Your career path. My journey. It's really My funny. journey, as the millennials so say. Fu- but I just think, Trey, I think you are so fascinating. One of my theories is that you are hard to put in a box for people, mm-hmm. right? And so you are very unconventional. You're very funny. You are surprising at every single turn. Ooh, that's a good word. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I'll write that down. I mean that in a good way. Surprising. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have your hands in a lot of different avenues so it's it's hard to categorize you yeah but i think that's your magic right maybe i it's always i want to hear about your journey yeah so my journey's been at heart i'm an entertainer i love to entertain i've always entertained i was funny forever i was a center of attention back when i was a kid or wanted to be and all that you know it's probably trauma based (laughs) (laughs) right obviously my dad was funny and i would just use humor literally and still do to not have deep conversations with people or to avoid uncomfortable situations or whatever. And, uh, so like when dad would show up and he'd be all fucked up and it's crazy. I would, I would, I would use humor and, and just try to make it not tense. And so I guess I developed that over time. And now my challenge is, and the reason I wrote the book loves bananas is, you know, seven, eight years ago, I figured out I have love all wrong and I've got to fix it. Um, because that's bad news. And so now I'm trying to, okay, well, how, how, how literally, how do you love people? But what was wrong about your idea of love eight years ago? And how did you even come to, most people are not self-aware enough to know, Mm -hmm. because it's hard, right? It's Mm -hmm. the, to, to self-realization. How did you figure that out? 
Uh, a lot of cognitive dissonance, basically, <laughs> was going on in my... No, so about eight or nine years ago, I was at a rock bottom. I had the companies in Atlanta, small businesses, and that was all right. They were they were just flatlining, and I was depressed and just in a bad space and just didn't know what was going on, and I couldn't figure it out. So it's like, well, I need to get help. And I'd never been to a therapist. I'd never done any of that stuff yet. And so I was like, I know I'll hire a business coach. Perfect. This will fix it. So I asked a friend who their business coach was. And, um, she said, oh, I go to this guy. He's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. So I go to this dude and it's a four hour half day session. And he's going to workshop all my businesses and my problems and everything. I'm thinking, okay, thank God. So I get there at his house. He's got whiteboards and, and everything all over the place. So for two hours, we workshop my businesses and he's asking questions and all this stuff. But I was just in a low, low space. I just remember sitting in the chair, just watching him do this stuff, thinking, I don't give a shit about any of this. So halfway through, I could tell he was getting a little frustrated. And he's like, all right, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? It's about two hours into the session. He says, I'm going to go get coffee. Why don't you, just for fun, why don't you write your definition of love on the on the whiteboard. Why did he pick love? I have no idea. I can't figure out any of the rest of this stuff, but I can at least answer that question. So I thought about it, went up there, wrote my answer. And then I took a step back and I looked at it and I was like, oh man. And then he comes in and he looks at it and he's like, oh, <laughs> maybe we should start there. <laughs> and I had written love is the worst hell on earth uh, for the def- for what love is for me. And when I wrote that, everything in my life made sense. Everything up to that moment made sense when I wrote that, that love was the most. What did that mean? What did that look like for you? It just meant I literally think love is hell. That's what it means. Everything associated to love up to that point means pain and hell to me. What did that feel like? Bad, bad. It's like my dad, he was a disaster. Every time I get close, it was pain, 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 pain. My mom was trying her best and she kind of, she would kind of push me, not push me away, but she, she had her own thing and I'm, you know, I'm an only child and. I'm trying to figure these things out. And I remember in high school, I was, I don't know if I was dating a girl or whatever, but I remember, I don't know when it was, but I decided no one's going to get in here and hurt me ever again. No one's going to make me feel ever again. I'll never cry again. None of that bullshit. I'm do you think me- that part of that is society, like man stuff? Or do you think that was just a self-defensive mechanism? Men are not allowed to have feelings. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some of that, but you know, for me, it was... I was just tired of it. I was tired of getting let down. I was tired of having pain. It was crazy. I answered that question. I was like, I've got to change that. I mean, I don't want it to. (laughs) I don't know if it sounds bad to you, but it sounded bad to me. (laughs) And I didn't want it to be like that. Right. And so. Did you feel bitter? No. (laughs) It was just a huge awakening. Right. Like I I literally became a coach. Because that coach asked me one question that changed my life. One question. We'd worked to get, we worked together for four hours that day. I don't remember anything but that one question. And it changed my entire life. Put me on the path to like, all right, I got to fix this. I got to figure this out. I got to teach myself this love business. So what did that look like? Where yeah. do you even start? Like you're at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Where do you even start? I was always a huge Tony Robbins fan from afar. I would never go to his stuff because I'm not a loser. That was my mentality, right? Like, I'm not going to go to do that stupid stuff because I'm not a a loser. But I was always a huge fan because 
he he's very good at business and I could in showmanship and all that stuff. And in my mind, I was like, I want to go see him do one of his live things before he's too old. Cause I just want to see how he does it, like how he commands the stage and all this stuff. So one of his events popped up on my, on Facebook and I looked at it, I was at work and I looked at it and it was on my birthday in one of his little three day uh, weekend things. It's like, you know what? I'm going to buy myself a ticket. I'm going to go to this for my birthday and make, see what it's all about. So I go and that blew me wide open, which was awesome. So I've done some of that stuff. I've done some crazy gestalt therapy in a witch cave up in Dunwoody and uh, done that. And then I've had a few therapists and I've read the books and I've asked everybody on earth and I've done the meditation and, and, and the drugs and all the things that you do to figure out love. And uh, slowly but surely, I'm teaching myself how to love and be loved, literally. Do you have a definition of love at this point? I do not. Do you? Mm-mm. Yeah, and so when I went on this journey to figure out love, I, I started asking people three questions. Everybody. What are that, them? What are the three questions? First question was, what's your definition of love? And I asked everybody that question. I asked a 105-year-old man. I asked homeless people. I asked rabbis. I asked preachers. I asked voodoo people. I asked all the people. And, uh, hold on. So you're not asking therapists. You're not asking mm -hmm. experts on love, like known experts. Why mm -hmm. are you asking all of these people? I look for the people that you would assume wouldn't know. Right. I look for the people that are humans just like us, but they're doing things so differently. It makes no sense. Are these people overlooked? I don't know. I just think they have a unique outlook like the 105 year old man that I, I talked to i was like what's the definition of love he goes there's not one I was like mm, you're right he's like yeah next question and he's you know he's been in love he's married 50 60 years on and on and on and then a rabbi he's like there's not one i was like well how do i figure out love if it's there and blah 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 and he goes can you see the wind and i said no he goes can you feel it i was like yeah he's like there it is. Same thing. Well, that's pretty smart, right? And so most of the normal people I would ask, ask three questions. One, what's your definition of love? Two, how many times have you been in love? And three, do you love yourself? And I just asked everybody those three questions. Most people would come up with some BS, Disney. It's when you he, he supports you or whatever, like love, love, right? And I'm literally just trying to figure it out. I want to learn. I want to know how to love a friend. My mom, I want to learn how to love myself, other humans, lovers, all of it, right? I'm not just talking about how do we find the one forever, whatever that garbage is, you know, so. Do you believe in soulmates? I believe in, yes. You do? I do. What does that look like? I think soulmates are relationships we had in past lives. Could be with friends, hmm. parents, whatever. And I think there's lots of them. Right. There's so many layers to this. So a million things are going through my head. One, of One them, million things. Are a lot going of things through. are going through my head. <laughs> and I think mostly because why would you ask those particular three questions? And when you hear people answer, are there any of those answers that feel like, wow, that feels satisfying in a way that gives you peace? Yeah. yeah. But it sounds like you never have peace on this, that there's a restlessness that is just mm -hmm. unrelenting. 
It's crazy. It loves bananas. Have we mentioned that yet? <laughs> uh, Available yeah. on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon is bananas. Uh, yeah, you know, there's one definition that I heard in all of the definitions I've heard. There's one that I was like, that's it for me. Like, I was that. that's it. That explains it. That explains it all to me in a clear way. Do you want to know what it was? Yes. Just wait to no. the wait wait to the end of the show. Can we Ryan Seacrest? We're gonna find out after the break. Yeah, no, there was one one that I was like, oh, 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 that's it. That's it. The Dalai Lama said, Love is the absence of judgment. Mm. That's it. And I was like, Oh, wow. If I can stand in front of somebody and not judge them, just be with them, that's it. A friend, a lover, a parent, a, a colleague. A, if I could just be with them, then without judging them, without you know all that crazy shit in our head, that's love. I was like, Ooh, that's good stuff. And so I kind of try to keep an eye on judgment a lot for me. Were so, you judgmental in general? Not really. I, I've never, I've always been trusting of other people, which is weird. I've always... I don't really judge. I, I, I usually don't talk bad about people. I'm not into the gossip thing. Not not because I've tried. I just never was. It just wasn't my thing. And so, but I can see how painful judgment can be. And, and for me, like the third question was, do you love yourself? I didn't love myself. And I don't really know what that even means. But everybody I asked, 80% of the people said no. 80% of all the human beings that I asked that question said no, that they don't. I was like, well, that's interesting. I assumed, Are there follow-up questions after after they say no? Uh, no, I'm just like, oh, okay. But in my mind, I'm wow. thinking, well, if I could figure out how to help myself and them shift into a place of liking yourself, I think it's more it's better to say, do you like yourself and love? Do you not love. hate yourself? <laughs> yeah, do you not think you're garbage? It's better. You've talked to all of these people. What were the, some of the most surprising answers from some of the most surprising people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some wild and crazy people. W- one of the most interesting ones was I found a witch. And so uh, Eileen, who helps me find people and with editing and so forth, and we like to interview interesting people. I was like, hey, you think you can find a real witch we can interview? <laughs> She's like, all right. So she finds one. And it's this woman who's a pagan priestess, witch person so i go to this witch house oh yeah and she's in a polyamorous marriage right so she's got all this colorful stuff in her life and i go over there i'm like well what's the deal with love you know i just i'll go all in on love because that's what i'm curious about and we talk and she tells me a little bit about her background which is she grew up in north georgia and it was a sexually abusive environment and, and when she was 17 or 18 she escaped and came down to the city and and then was in bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship and now she's been married for 15 years 10 years normal and then the last five years they've been in a polyamorous uh, marriage and it, it seems to be working so i'm like well you're in a healthy relationship now and you were in all the bad ones before i'm i'm assuming that was because of sexual trauma and so so forth and so on she's like yeah what i had to do was i made a contract she made a curse not a curse it was a, a spell. A spell. She made this contract with the gods that she was not going to date people that were similar to the people she dated in the past. And the next person that's the complete opposite of the kind of person she'd want to date, 
she would go out on two dates with that person. Mm. She made this contract, whatever, with the gods and wrote it down, blah, blah, blah. So this dude comes in to her life and she goes, he li- she was in a recording studio. Mind you, she's a pagan, you know, whatever, witch. This dude comes in, he's got a t-shirt on, says, show me your boobs or something stupid <laughs> like that. He's a big time Christian. And she's like, oh, that guy. <laughs> she's like, no, no. And uh, she remembered her thing to the gods and she's like, damn it. Oh so my she God. went out on one date with him and then her, her son got connected with him because he was helping him with music and she went on another and then the third one she knew she was in love and they've been together 15 years oh so she, well, she was telling me she was in rom- romantic relationships we have to break that pattern and we don't want to so if you, da- if you date the same person all the time and it isn't working you have to not date that same person but that's what we want so we have to go against what we want and so I was like that's amazing and then I asked her at the end well how do you how do you teach somebody to love themselves? Cause that's half the 80% of these people say they don't. And she said, you have to look in the mirror every day into your eyes and say, I love you. I don't know for five minutes every day. That's the only way I was like, but it's true. It'll, it'll have you ever done you you love yourself. So this probably doesn't pertain to you, <laughs> but for those of you listening, that are kind of a whack job like me. <laughs> Try to look in a mirror and look yourself in the eyes and say, I love you. I don't you. think I could do it. I had a therapist told me to do it one time. It took me two weeks to be able to look in, to be able to look into the mirror. And then finally I did it and I just melted, you know, tears and hysterical. Mm-hmm. But then it got easier and easier. And it was like, huh. And it worked. I was like, well, this is crazy. This is voodoo magic. I find unique and interesting answers that are real to me. Authentic, real it's not like normal Disney love. Do you stuff. think we've been sold a bill of goods in our understanding of love and and the Disneyifying yes. of everything? Hundred percent. Do you? Hundred percent. Do you feel like the expectation of? I'm assuming women that you date. I can never. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't assume anything. Mm-hmm. But the women that you date, do you find that there is a clash of them kind of buying into the fairy tale? To me, you seem very, very layered. And I wonder if there is a clash mm-hmm. in expectation. Mm-hmm. Huge in the West, for sure. Huge. It's all Disney, right? It's you, When you're 21, you find the man of your dreams, you live happily ever after. That is literally the Disney narrative, right? And so that's almost impossible. So when I was growing up, I never saw healthy marriages. I never saw healthy relationships, none of that stuff, right? So I had no, no examples of what it... Of, of a healthy way for, for it to be. So I was always kind of skeptical of marriage and all that stuff. I've traveled to 115 countries or now, and I'm always looking at the cultures in different places. And Who's doing it right? Well, the Hindus are. In my opinion, to be completely like honest, like the Taj Mahal, that's like, a good gesture of love. I don't know. The, the people are always like, "What's the coolest place you've ever been?" The the most fascinating, amazing people I've ever met are in Nepal and Bali, and both of them have like a Hindu Buddhist, not but a Hindu Buddhist kind of culture. They're the nicest people. They're the most fair people. It's wild. And I was in Bali one time, and I was in a taxi. And I always ask taxi drivers and whatever. It's like, oh, you know, are you married? Yeah. Most people get married around 24 over there. I was like, well, do you love your wife? 
And this dude looked at me like I had 18 <laughs> heads. He's like, yeah, what, what are you talking about? Like, yes, of course we love, we love our families. What, 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 why would you even ask that question? Right. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that's so cool. They don't even think about it. It just, it is, it just is right. Love just is can't control. It. I wonder about the evolution of dating for you as a male through the Me Too movement, as people are kind of awakening, you've had your own awakening. Mm-hmm. How has it changed for you today or how has that evolved? It's cognitive dissonance is what it is, basically. <laughs> what's, what's going That's on That's what here. I'm going to label this episode, <laughs> cognitive dissonance with Trey Humphrey. Google it, folks. <laughs> There's a definition out there. Dating is, is bananas. I should write a book called Dating is you Bananas. Should. That would be fun. Dating is just insane right now. You know, I heard a, an economist kind of compare it to basically supply and demand, right? The economy, right? And so the value, he was saying the value of relationships is really low right now because the supply is overwhelming. The demand is the same as it's always been since the history of time. Everybody wants to be in a relationship. Everybody's alive, basically, right? So the demand has stayed constant forever. But the supply now, because you can get on an app and you can see 400,000 women or if you're a guy or a girl, you can see 400,000 guys. So there's so much supply that it's watered down relationships. So people won't go on a second date if the guy said a, a word wrong. Mm. Whereas in the past, the, the supply wasn't so great because you live in a small town or whatever. You only had eight people to date and you're just going to figure out one of them you're going to fall in love with. It's a crazy place and i think expectations are so out of whack and therefore i'm single (laughs) (laughs) what are what are what are expectations that are come at you and do you have expectations going in like what is your hope you know i i I, going into dates i'm just like i i hope that i grow a little bit literally on this date as a communicator and a person and all that and i hope i have a good connection and find out about this person that's you show up as funny trey you are funny you're really really funny do you show up kind of with the armor on and can you recognize when you're like all right i need to i need to tone it down because i can tell that i'm i'm protecting something yeah it's it's complicated it's complicated it's nuanced it's nuanced it's nuanced nuanced. (laughs) you know i show up nervous on dates and I try to relax and I try to be funny, but not too funny. And I try to ask about them, but not all about them. And I try to talk about myself, but not too much about myself. And I try to not have shit on my face. And then I try to like, you know, these. Are, this is what you do when you date. You don't want to be salad dressing guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's 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 kind. It's you know, it's not easy, and and then that's fine. But people are like dating sucks. It's not easy. I don't want to do it. Well, it's not comfortable at first. That's fine though, right? Like working out, not fun. Like it's not comfortable. You know, I think we just have to release some of the expectations and just go on a hundred dates. Just you know, go on them, have them, just meet somebody. You know, have find out something interesting, and so try to take that perspective. But yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's wild out there. I mean, you look at the date the the profiles of women on the dating apps. I'm a man, so I see the women. And for you and listeners that are women, this is what the women's profiles say: looking for a man who's honest funny, secure, confident, successful, good-looking, in shape, <laughs> athletic, passionate, purposeful. There's like a list of 8,000 things, right? And just looking for that guy. And this person, you know, who 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 knows what they are? So the dudes look at that like, 
well, who's that? Like the rock? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I wonder what the dudes say. I try to be funny. Like dating apps and dating, it should just be light and fun, funny. That's all it should be. That's it. It shouldn't be, do you want to have four kids? And like, what are your values? No, that It's comes so hard later. though, because I hear that the number one criteria above height, above all, all earning is political affiliation now. At yeah. least on the dating apps. That is the yeah. number one thing. Does yeah. that come up a lot Every, in your conversations? No, but on the apps, it says if you're a Trump supporter, swipe no or whatever. Right. Like, like, go away. If you're a Trump supporter, go away, right? Yeah. I can see like a hardcore, you know, conservative or whatever and just not being a good fit, I guess. <laughs> but like, I'm not going to tell any of the girls who I voted for. I never will. Because like, then it rules out half of them, right? Because they're one side or the other, and it can't be can't be with somebody that has a political view of this. Just can't be. That just be. Mm. You know, it's like it's wild. It's wild out there. It's crazy time out there. You know, my husband and I met on a dating app. It was Match back then, before all the Tinders oh, yeah. and all the, the swiping and stuff. The yeah. OG. <laughs> That's right. One of his filters was when somebody would say "Go dogs" because he just wasn't into football. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's like, "I don't want to. I don't want somebody that's crazy into football." Yeah. So we all have to have some filters, right? But like, what does a good date look like for you today? Yeah, a good date is a date you go on and the conversation is effortless. That's it, mm-hmm. and, there, and that's one in a hundred, right? There's it's you're one in a hundred or or low odds. It's a dating's a numbers game, and you and you're it gonna, really is. and you're gonna find somebody that for whatever reason you just you just gel with on a conversation level, right? I mean, you gotta be attractive, sure, but you can if it's like that effortless conversation, you always hear the oh we we talked for ten hours, like well, that's what you're looking for, and mm-hmm. I think I think that's about the best sign. You can find, I mean, if you, you know, if you find the person attractive and you have this effortless conversation, then that's it. So I know from a female's perspective, they can go on a dating app and get flooded, flooded with people who are interested. And it can be very exhausting for a lot of women. Some people will just be tired and then get off the app. What is it like for guys? Harder. Yeah. A lot harder. I mean, if you're a really, really good looking dude that's 27 probably not hard but the more attractive you are the easier it is right Mm -hmm. and men are visually stimulated we we like we like to see women so we love all the women on the apps women are more i would assume personality emotionally based connections you can't you can't get that in the apps you got to actually meet somebody Mm -hmm. so it's got to be a weird deal um can we talk dick pics? You you saying I should go on OnlyFans and like make millions of dollars? I do. I do. <laughs> let's talk dick pics, shall we? Yeah, let's, 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 let's do that. Are you that. flying these around? Are you flying dick pics around? I, I These are very normalized now. Apparently so. And maybe that's a younger man's game, but I don't. But uh, no one ever asked for it. Girls never. They never. They, maybe <laughs> it's because like, I'm not enough. good looking. They just are like, we're good. We're just going to stick with your personality. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but no, I, I haven't. I'm not against it. I mean, if chicks want it, I think it's fun. I think like couples and people dating should send nudes back and forth. I think that's fun. It's, I mean, we got to have fun while we're alive, right? If we're not having fun, you don't want to put your face out there if you want to be the governor or whatever it is, right? But just <laughs> cut your head off and send it out. Like, have fun, right? So I'm not against it. 
But hey, ladies, if you're listening and you want it, just hit me up and I'll start sending them out. <laughs> Trey goes global. <laughs> yeah, just look, go on Dropbox. There's a folder in there. It's like <laughs> you can find them all. <laughs> and who sends uh, their own? Why don't they just go on the internet and find one that looks good and then send knows? that? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know what the strategy is. I remember I get dick pics by way of my single girlfriends, yeah, which is, yeah. you know, like my husband and I, it's one of my favorite pastimes that we just yeah. go and judge these things. Yeah. And I remember there was this dick and it had like a measuring tape right next to it, but oh. it started at the two. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So he was, he was adding some. <laughs> he was adding a couple inches, literally. That's pretty smart though. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. Yeah. That's really funny. going for it. So let's talk about love. So what happens? Like, have you ever been in love? Yeah. Lots, lots. So I asked the second question I asked is how many times have you been in love? How many times have you been in love? I'm like, I'm a free spirited hippie kind of person. Like thousands and thousands and thousands is literally what I think. Right. And of ev- women or just, in general, just, just people, women. But I asked that question and everybody says two or three. And most people said, well, there was that one time, but I don't think I was in love. Mm. Well, of course you were, right? Of course you were. In the moment, you're in love. Like, I think you can connect eyes with somebody, a stranger, and just feel something and that be love and then turn and never see them again. In that moment, like, like, that's it. Like, that's the juice. Do you know what I think your magic is, Trey? Well, uh, cognitive dissonance, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Spelling. I think, I think your magic, on the limited experience that I have of knowing you and understanding who you are, is you see people. You see people as they are, as they want to be seen. And yeah. you see people that may be overlooked. Thank you. And that, you yeah, stay there. Cool. And that's that cool. is a gift. That is magic. Why do you think you haven't found love, romantic love in, I don't know if you care about being married or not, or if that's of interest to you, but why do you think it, I don't want to say hasn't happened because you just said you've had it thousands of times. For me, I've had these walls up and it's, you can't get through these walls. They're, they're up, they're strong and I got, I'm, I'm tearing them down and it just, I'm not good at it. Not good at love yet which is, you know, fake story we tell ourselves. Well, it is true for me, right? It's harder for me. I look at friends and they love effortlessly with each other and relationships are good. It's just hard for me and I got to figure it out, right? I got to figure out. Do you think the onus is 100% on you? Yes, 100%. I wonder if there is a challenge to that. When I, and not to make this about me. Well, <laughs> let's just figure out what your traumas are. Yeah, let's, I got let's... plenty. When I met my husband, we started dating. I dumped him after two weeks. He was just too nice. I wasn't used to that nonsense, you know? Yeah. And he said, I'm really disappointed. We both are interested in some different things. Can we still hang out? And we did. And I remember because I was nursing a heartbreak at the time and was very jaded, very guarded. And two months later, I came to my senses, but it took a while to kind of let the guards down, let the walls down. I remember we we had gone out and he was drunk. <laughs> he was drunk. <laughs> we were out in like Highlands or something, you know, it was, it was in our younger days. And I remember him looking at me and he said, Allison, he's like, I see your walls. I see them. They are so strong, but I'm going to work to break every single one of them down. And I remember it just floored me Mm. because nobody had ever seen that. And he just kept fighting for me, even though 
I wasn't worth fighting for. At the time, I was so jaded mm -hmm. and just guarded. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there is some value in finding the right person who's going to see through the bullshit. I'm sure. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Um, does he have any friends that are girls that are like him? <laughs> that love, that that love <laughs> taking on the impossible task of tearing somebody's Listen, walls down? this podcast is in the top one and a half percent globally. Maybe there's somebody listening. That's amazing. That Good will relate you. to that. That's amazing. That will relate to that. But it was, it was a big lesson, you know. I mean, even to your point of just when you were talking about dating somebody, the, the witch, dating somebody completely opposite when you talked about who walked in the room, like my skin would crawl. Mm -hmm. I had a relationship coach many, many years ago because I just kept getting, I uh, am highly sensitive person and would keep going out with these guys that were fine, but they weren't it. They weren't right. And it just kept hurting more and more and more and more. And so I went to a relationship coach and she said, you know, that feeling, that rush, everyone wants that rush of just being crazy in love. And I was like, yeah, I live for that. And she goes, that's your signal. It's the wrong thing. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, that's your trigger. That's your trauma coming up because that it, familiar patterns repeat itself and they look for each other again. Mm -hmm. And you need to find the peace. You need to find when you're not that crazy rush and when it feels peaceful that it might be worth looking into. That's all wrong. It's all wrong. Okay. I'm just kidding. Fair enough. No, that's, I'm just kidding. Now that we've but, made this interview about me. Yeah. So uh, back you want to ask me more questions. Back, <laughs> no, back to your trauma. This is my question <laughs> for you. How long have you been married? 10, 10 years. Oh, 10 and a half that's years. That's not very long. <laughs> 20, 20 years is where usually everybody breaks down. But 10 <laughs> years, uh, this is my take. You're a very outgoing, extroverted, social, fun person. That's what I'm observing from you. Would you? Would that be accurate? Everything but the fun. I'm not that fun. You are totally. I'm fun. not that fun. You're cool. You're fun, and you're social, and you're expert, and all that. And then you get married, and all that locks down. Did that? Was that a big change for you, or is it better, freeing, or is it constricting, or was it? What was it? I always wanted to be in a romantic relationship. I would say the hardest adjustment was that I was used to living alone, and so mm. I never felt anger because I didn't have anyone mm. to talk about it with or express it with. When I lived with my husband and lived with him, I would see such ugly parts come out of me that just never had a place to play right. before. And that was really tough because it wasn't a, per a side of me that I was familiar with because I just had nobody to express it with. And it kind of went on him. So, and I came from a divorced family. My husband, his husband's family, parents were not divorced. And so when that trouble would come up, I'd be like, well, fine, I'll just leave. And he's like, why? We worked through this. So it was, it was an adjustment to kind of take my trauma of, well, fuck it. It's time to leave. You know, like <laughs> shit goes wrong. Yeah. Maybe this is a signal. And it's it's also the same thing that we all do. Like something goes wrong, the guards go up, right? And so you're like, well, forget it. I'm out. And he taught me, at least he kind of had me stop and work through. No, we work through this. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. That's, that's amazing. I, I was thinking as you're saying that the only time we get better at relationships is when we're in relationships. The only time we get to practice 
relationships is when we're in a relationship, which is what happened to you, right? And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I live alone my whole life, so I don't have to deal with anything. Like you said, like I don't have to deal with conflict. I don't have to deal with because I'm just me in the home. Yeah. But if there was another person in there, I would have to. Have you lived with there. somebody in a romantic? No. What, no. Do you think I'm crazy? I don't know. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. I never have. No. So I'm I'm sensing some commitment issues. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, big time commitment issues. My biggest fear, honestly, is I will be miserable in a relationship. Hmm. That's the biggest fear and maybe it's because i saw a lot of misery and when i was growing up in other people's relationships and i've been in the bar business and the night club business and all that i've seen the worst of the worst of the worst but i'm fearful that i'll get in and i'll just be like i hate this i'm stuck you won't even try no i do try i have women that have made you reconsider yeah yeah i've had i've been in in Two to four year relationships. Mm-hmm. Look at me go. Mm-hmm. Huh? huh? <laughs> yeah. And it, it, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty interesting though. I, I started thinking about after I wrote the book, I was like, the next question, I always come up with questions in my head and then I probably try to figure them out. So the next one is love hard. I kept thinking, is love hard? Is love hard? Is love hard? So I started asking a few people, is love hard? I don't know if it's a fair question. Oh, it's fair. Fair game. Why is it fair? Because we're on a podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> is it? But to me, it's love is effortless. You can't control it mm, at all. I don't all. know that. I don't know that. I don't think you can control it. I think it just is. And I ask a bunch of people, and blah, blah, blah. And then one person's like, no, no, love's not hard. Relationships are hard. I'm like, oh, that makes a ton of yeah. sense. Relationships are hard. Yeah, you know, are but- there answers to these questions, though? These are impossible questions. I wrote the book on love. Obviously, I answered all the hard questions. You answered all the hard questions. <laughs> Since there are all Amazon. these incredible stories, right, of you asking these questions, these these yeah. meaningful questions from some of the farthest reaches of the world of people that you normally would never ask. But you you're asking the non-experts on love yeah. about yeah. love. Yeah. And is your perspective shifted after? Yeah. Writing it. Yeah. And I'm thinking of a girl that... What are we getting wrong? What do we get wrong about love? I think we think it's all things. We think it solves everything. We think it's easy. We think it's natural. We think it's effortless. We think it doesn't require work. And and I think it does require work, right? I, I figured when I, I that guy asked me that question and I was like, love is hell. I was like, I got to change that. And then I'm like, well, if I put 20,000 hours into studying love i assume at the end of that i will be better at love if you put twenty thousand hours into studying the violin at the end of that or being on podcasts or whatever it is you will be better so i was like if i want to be good at this love is my north star i've got to master it i gotta i think we just it's just so hard with the traumas and the culture and the well now trauma has been it's such a buzzword now i think trauma is now defined I mean, you have the, the the traditional traumas, right? Like the things you would normally think about, mm-hmm. abuse, not love, those kind of things. But now there are microaggressions mm-hmm. that are when you are forced or asked to not be who you are is now considered trauma. And I think while that word has some weight in it and is probably overused, I do think it is a necessary exposure mm-hmm. to something that can allow us to have a little more compassion for each other. Mm -hmm. 
Like I imagine you being raised by a single mom alone with an alcoholic father who wasn't present. Did you feel forgotten? Like who was looking after you? Mm, Totally. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I would have had that language or perspective without a context now Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. what the, the trauma thing is. Yeah, trauma's kind of weird, but I also think there's positive trauma, right? I think Tell me I've, more. I've had positive experiences that are traumatic, right? Like that that experience at the Tony Robbins thing, I had a, a traumatic positive self-love experience. Tell and me it, what that looks felt like. It was like he takes you through this crazy hypnosis visualization journey on on night 2. And it's like 45 minutes. He's like, think of the worst, think of the future. And if nothing changes, what's the worst that'll happen? So you really get into this space, right? He's hammering that 45 minutes with the music and your eyes are closed. And then, and then he turns it and he's like, think about if you're great. And, you know, he kind of turns it into a positive and pumps and pumps, pumps. Then at the end, it's like this big boom, whatever. Well, I remember when it happened, it was the first time in my life I felt self-love. And I was like, wow, this is amazing, right? And that just locked in me and I can close my eyes and now I can go right back there and I can feel it. And that's that's a, for me, that's a positive trauma. You use that as a tool when you're in a a tough Mm -hmm. spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like you've done some of the things. I did ayahuasca, you know, three nights of ayahuasca a a few years back, looking for, look, trying to understand love. And I was like, oh, oh. You know, when I was in the experience, I was like, oh, oh, this is what God feels like. This is what love, this is, wow. So I got that one locked in, right? And then, sure, there's there's negative ones. But if you think of happy people, I have some friends that are happy people. They were generally raised in happy environments. So all those little happy traumas made them a happy person. Is the end game finding a partner, a companion? No. It's not. No. Okay. What is the end game? I just want to be able to love people and accept their love back. That's it. That's all. And that's the work I have to do because it's it is not nat does not come natural to me at all. Somebody that's good at love, they're battling another thing. Mm-hmm. I'm hilarious. I don't have to think. I don't have to do that. Some people want to be that. And they have to try, try, try. I've got that. I have to figure out this love thing. It's just part of my my work, my journey. Is there an end state? Or is yeah. it just a continuous journey? Oh, it's just a continuous journey. You say you have commitment issues, but on this particular journey, it sounds like you're pretty locked in. I don't know. I was talking with one of my buddies, Jake, at, over pancakes yesterday. It's crypto next, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're done with love. Now we're going to get on to crypto. <laughs> so my buddy Jake is like my spiritual buddy, right? He's in a band. He's 42 or one or whatever he is. Crazy hair. And he just lives this unique life. He's just a free spirit, you know, like rock and roll guy and beats to his own drum. But he's super deep. And so I was like, you know, I'm thinking about writing the next book about life and, and do you love your life? And if you do, how do you do? Why? And if you don't, why? And all this other stuff. I was like, have you always loved your life? And he came from bad side of somewhere up north. He's like, yeah. And I was like, well, how? Like, what's the deal? He's like, you know, I've always felt lucky. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I just always felt lucky. And I asked another friend last night who's a super happy person. 
She's like, yeah, I've always felt lucky. I'm like, that's it. Like, do you feel lucky? And so hmm. happy people make happy relationships. Do lucky. you feel lucky? Because you've stumbled into every single career yeah. you've had. I do, do you fe- feel lucky? I do feel a little lucky. Yeah. Which is good. That's yeah. the juice. I wonder if it's manifestation. Like I always call it hair magic. You know, my last name is hair. Yeah. And so we always, uh, you know, get to the restaurant before there's a line out the door and we just call it a hair magic and just, I continually do that. And I wonder if it's like a manifestation tactic of just appreciating, you know, some of the lucky strokes that, that we're given. I think so. I think so. I think it's, if you believe it is whatever, if you believe in magic, it is magic. If you believe you're lucky, you are lucky. If you believe the universe is for you, it's for you. If you believe it's against you, it's against you. Whatever you, whatever you really believe, we, it creates. Trey, do you feel loved? Uh, do I feel loved? I know I'm loved. Do I feel loved? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, ish. I don't mm. know. I don't know what it feels like. Like people love me, and it gives me the creeps. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> is anybody going to listen to this podcast? I'm just kidding. Love is easy for me. Let's dance. Let's dance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I'm loved by a lot of people. And, and I guess the question that I'm dissecting with you is, do you feel it? Yeah, I do feel it. Sometimes that doesn't feel good. Sometimes it does feel good. I think it's super relatable. I think it's more relatable than you know. I think I'm the only one that's messed up in the whole world. <laughs> so, Join the club, right? What do you so, know that you wish other people could know? What do I know that I wish other people could know? Yeah. I feel like I know nothing. And so I'm always asking questions, always looking for the answers. I don't know. I don't know what they are. I know this. At the end of that book I wrote about love, I was like, I don't, everything's more confusing than when, it, when I began. But I was like, I know that a life shared is better than a life alone. That's what I know. And like it could be with a dog or a friend or a family member or a lover or a parrot or a turtle. I don't know, whatever. But a life shared is better than a life alone. I think, Mm. I think that, I think that's pretty solid and I think we should strive and I should strive to live a life that is shared with others. And get out there. You know, I'm an introvert and all that. Get out there. Are you an introvert? Introvert. Is that right? Big time. Massive. I was with Rory, who's, you know. Rory Vaden. Rory, big Rory. And he was saying he's a crippling introvert in a conversation I heard. I was like, oh, man, I wonder if I'm a crippling introvert, which I probably am. Nah, probably not. I'm not a crippling introvert. But yeah, I'm an introvert and an individualist and an alone person. So I have to, I have to work extra hard to get out and share, meet people and share life. Yeah. And you own a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Literally. You've done all these things to connect yeah. people. No. Interestingly enough, I've done all those things to bring people to me. Mm. I've built environments that in my mind, well, if I'm the DJ in the bar, everybody will talk to me and I'll feel loved. If I own the bar or the restaurant, They'll all want to talk to me and I'll feel loved. If I'm the mascot, they all want to hang out with me. If I'm the 
guy throwing the party, they'll all want to. So I almost designed all those experiences and businesses pathetically to bring people to me because I'm so shy that Hmm. it's hard for me to like if I go in a bar I'm not gonna talk to anybody I've gone on vacation to Bali for two weeks not spoken to a human being which is crazy I don't talk to people what does it make no sense so if you're listening out there um (laughs) find me on Pinterest and hit me up and let's uh let's be best friends if you're a weirdo listening to this podcast I need you to be my best friend I love that you describe yourself as an extreme weirdo (laughs) wait a second I have a question for you do you have a best friend uh, no. Oh. I don't. I've done many episodes about this. Really? Yeah, it it pains me that I don't. But I am very loved and supported. Sure. You're a loving person. Very loved and supported. Yeah. Hmm. You're going to make me cry. I think we all need a uh, best friend. I think we need to feel loved and supported. I think being receiving love. We all need a rock. Again, not to bring it back to me. But my mother, my mother passed away last year. And Mm. I think she spent her life pushing people away and hating who she was or being ashamed of who she was. And she had no reason to be she was very loved. But I think, you know, she died of cancer. And she and the diagnosis, she lived for another six months. And those last six months, despite her pain, and the pain of literally dying in your body, just just destroying itself. She for the first time in her life, allowed us to love her and to receive love. And it was the most beautiful death. And the most beautiful cherished time. Because she never. How did you know she did that? What what happened? She, I mean, she lived alone, and for many years there were so many holidays and things that she wouldn't go to Mm because she didn't feel up to it or felt whatever, just didn't want to put on the face. Was very outgoing as well, and just didn't want to put on the show. Mm -hmm. She was tired and sick a lot. She was chronically ill for like ten years. And so she just, and we would like feed her and we would, she would tell us not to come over, not to help her, those kind of things. And it was hard. And by the end, she moved in with my sister and we all kept flying in and seeing her and and just taking care of her. And she let us, she let us see her in her most vulnerable states. And Ah. she let us love her. I mean, she had six kids and some lifelong friends that were just amazing. But she died alone. I mean, she, like when my parents divorced, she never dated again, ever. Mm. And that was, I don't know, 25, 30 years. That's the problem. That's the problem. My mom's the same way. She hasn't, well, she's dated a couple times, but never got remarried. I'm like, man. I think it was a self-loathing of just embarrassment and shame. We gotta, We got to do better. We got to do better. And I wonder, Trey, if there is a generational trauma that you have been tasked to break. Yes. And I think that, oh, I have no idea, but I am going to fall in love and I am going to be in a committed relationship. So I'm wondering, Trey, you are a coach, Mm -hmm. a brand strategist. Mm -hmm. You are a creative uh, fountain of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fountain a fountain i'm a You're fountain a i'm getting new business cards i'm getting new business cards <laughs> trade the fountain the font 
of creativity. Yeah. And you still have this restaurant. How do yeah. people get in touch with you? You have hilarious TikToks and I'm trying a to figure really out this beautiful TikTok blog, thing. a really, really great writer, great storyteller. Yeah. How you. do people work with you? As I'm looking at my fellow multi-passionate uh, yeah. person, I'm thinking multi-hyphenate. About, I'm thinking about starting the passion project. We should talk about that offline. <laughs> I want to do that next uh, I am Trey.com. That's my website. I all things there. Or Trey Goes Global on any of the socials. Social media. Have you heard of the internet? I you, have not. You know, it's on the. Can you tell me about it. It's in the clouds. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's in the clouds. Uh, Trey, thank you for no, being here. No, we can't stop. Trey. We, a couple more hours. Come on. Let's talk about. Let's we could do it. Love and all the things. <laughs> For the After Hours podcast. Join us yeah, next we'll do week the after for the hours. After Hours. Yeah. Trey Humphreys, I sure hope your quest brings you so much adventure and love back into your life. There's so much more to Trey than meets the eye. If you're single and want to get to know him, or maybe you'd like to work with him or just connect, I've linked all his info in the show notes. As for me, I'm going to be releasing a more personal update next week on Thanksgiving, and I hope you'll jump into my clearing challenge and let's throw out the not-so-good parts of the year to make room for something much bigger and brighter and destined for us. Go to allisonhair.com forward slash clearing. Be good to yourself so you can be better to others. See you next week.